been talking um, in a series about new mind, new you, the new thing that God's been doing um, here. It started several weeks ago. And God has just still continued in us about how important our minds are and how important that if we don't accept the new thing that God wants to do here, it's really hard to allow him to do new things in our life in any other area. Because let's just be honest, the mind controls all things. Because if we can't get our mind in order, it's real hard to get our hearts in order and real hard to get our house in order and our jobs in order. And so God wants to come to do a new thing in you. And if you're a first-time visitor We just want to let you know that God wants to do a new thing, and I pray that anything that maybe you haven't heard so far that he downloads to you and your spirit through this message today, that you just begin to open yourself up and allow him to do something new. Because who in this building doesn't like something new? Right? I like new things, but I really want God to do something new in me. How about you? Right? So last week, uh, I spoke on... Max Headroom and what God wants to do in you. And really the, the whole point of the message was about how, you know, when you drive down through the drive throughs or you're driving um, through the overpasses and you see a sign that says Max Headroom and it has so many feet, so many inches, and then you have no clearance to go underneath that. And what God began to speak to us is that it's time that we take the Max Headroom signs off of our minds so that we can allow God to have full clearance and we quit limiting the Holy Spirit in our lives, Right? Because our limitations are not God's limitations. We only limit God because we place him in the box of our limitations. But his limitations exceed anything. He's not limited. He's limitless. God can do anything in you that you allow him. And so let's just do that. Can we do that before we start? Take the max headroom signs off of our minds. Allow God to begin to fill and speak to us that he has room. Can he have room today? Amen? Amen. Because here's the thing, as much as we have to take the limitations off of God in our lives is as much as we need to place limitations on the influence of the world in our lives. I'll say it again. As much as we have to take the limitations off of God in our lives is as much as we need to place limitations on the influence of the world in our lives. So the more room that you make for God, the less room you make for the world. That's how that should work. They work hand in hand. And I want to remind you of something I said last week is that you cannot have more of what you don't make room for. Cannot. It doesn't work that way. You have to make room so that more can be accommodated. And so we make room in our lives today for God to be accommodated in our lives and so he can expand however he wants. When we don't set boundaries and limitations on the world and the influence that it has in our lives on the flesh, the more they will contaminate the room that you've made, God, made for God in your lives. When you don't set boundaries in your lives, when you don't place a boundary on what the, the world is influencing by the things that you watch, the way you talk, the things that you hear, you know, you remember that song when I remember it when I was a little kid, oh, be careful little ears what you hear. You know, and then we were, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little mouth what you speak, for the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful. When we're careful with things, that's putting boundaries on saying, hey, you can't, you can't cross here. It, do, it doesn't work that way. You can't cross here. 
I'm going to choose to be careful what I allow to come into my life and not be ran by the flesh and the desires of it. I call this setting boundary lines. Boundary lines are important in our relationships, but can be most important in the relationship that we have with the world. And I believe it will become easier, you know, to set boundaries in relationships that we have when we set a relationship on the influence that the world has upon our lives. It's important to set boundaries. It's important to place boundaries in your life. Boundaries protect you. They protect your mental health. They protect your relationships. They do this for you physically, mentally, and emotionally. Boundaries protect you. Let me ask you a question. If you had a thief come in and steal your stuff or try to come steal your stuff and you were at home, would you just let him in? Would you just let him have your stuff? Oh, here, by the way, take this. Would you do it? And sometimes we have even set alarm systems on our home, so when we're not there, they still know you have crossed the boundary, you've crossed the line, this is not your domain, right? But why do we have such a hard time telling the world this is not your domain? Why do we struggle with that so bad? Like we tell the world, you know, go ahead. You can take that piece of my soul. No problem. Those little things that I see, not a big deal. The things that I let my kids, not a big deal. The things that I hear, nope. It's just, go ahead, take it. I, I know in the word it says, for the enemy has come like a thief in the night. He's come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And I, I've never met a thief with good intentions. Not for you anyways, for themselves. They intend to get everything they want and not care about anything around them. And that's exactly how the enemy of your soul is. He wants to take everything from you, regardless of who you are, how you feel, how long you've been serving God, how little you've served God. No matter what, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy and it is so important that we place boundary lines in our lives and tell the enemy, this is not your domain. This is not your domain. You do not have control. Boundary lines mark out where one person's property ends and another person's property begins. And I love this for the fact of thinking about the word of God and who you are as a child of God. Because if, if I can really honestly think about it, when I give my life to Jesus Christ, I become a property and an heir of the kingdom of God. And so that means that boundary, I am no longer a property of the enemy of the world. And I'm no longer, you know, have that title on me that I'm of the world. I'm now labeled a child of God. And I have the right to set up boundary lines because guess what? God has already done that for me by giving his life for me, shedding his blood for me, and telling me that I am enough and that I am worthy by being able to come in and be an heir to, his, to who he is and all the goodness and the things that he has for me. When you become a child of God, you're no longer property of this world. You're now God's child and you take on the boundary lines of the kingdom. It's, it's time we start acting like the king's kids and quit settling for the world. God has all we need. You are in this world, but you're not of it and can no longer conform to its customs. John 15, 19 in the Living Bible says it this way. The world would love you if you belong to it. But you don't. 
For I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. The world would love you if you belong to it. But you don't, for I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. Now, I don't know about you, but nobody wants anybody in this room like to be hated. No. Nobody in this room wants to be hated. You don't like to be hated. Nobody likes that word. Actually, in that word, that word in our house is like a cuss word. We don't say, I hate you. If you say, I hate you, you're getting soap in the mouth. I'm sorry, but that's good old-fashioned discipline. It whitens your teeth. The fact of it is, is it's not... I, saying those words, you see what I'm saying? That's a, hard, that's a hard word to swallow when somebody says they hate you because it's the, apos, uh, the complete opposite of love. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be hated. And what's crazy is it's created, the need to not be hated, you know, has created this incessant need to be loved. Do you know what that means? That means you have an uncontrollable need to be loved. But the problem with that is, is when you begin to fill that uncontrollable need with things that you want to love you because you just can't handle being hated. This need was meant to be filled by the love of Jesus Christ. But many times we will take whatever we can get and cross our own boundaries set for our protection and wander off into the enemy's territory. What good are boundaries if you wander off on your own? That's like going back to your house, saying a thief is going to come, and you tell him, you're, you're texting the thief now saying, hey, I'm going to be gone at uh, 6 p.m., so if you'd like to know, I've left the door open for you. Take whatever you want. Just take it. Have it. It's all yours. Now you're in communication with them because, you know, you've crossed the boundaries, not him. You've crossed it. You have no boundaries because, you know, you would hate that a thief would hate you. Right? See, we we have this need to want to fill love so badly that we fill it with all the wrong things. God's the only one who's going to fill that. And I'm sorry, but I'm here to tell you, anybody in this room that's married, your husband cannot do that for you. Your wife cannot do that for you. Your children, if you have children, no matter how old you are, cannot do that for you. Your girlfriend cannot do that for you. Your boyfriend cannot do it for you. Your mama, your daddy, your sister, your best friend, and nothing can do it for you. Only Jesus Christ can fill that need to be loved. You were designed to love him and him love you. That's how you were created. And we wonder why we struggle so bad searching for it is because you are getting off of the design and the pattern. You weren't patterned for that. I believe this is why we struggle. We often place ourselves on a path that causes us to live out customs we were never meant to take on. A custom. A custom is a pattern of behavior that is followed by members of a particular culture. That's what a custom is. We live in a world where the majority of its customs do not follow that of Jesus Christ. The majority of the world's customs do not follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. I looked it up, and there's some statistics I want to give you. In the world today, a third, or 31.2% of the world, is considered to be Christian, 
And this term encompasses a broad spectrum of denominations, okay? 31.2% of like two point, probably more than that now from when, when this was done, billion people in the world and only a third claim to be Christians. But that word Christian encompasses a broad spectrum, okay? Of that percentage, only 13.1% consider themselves to be Bible-believing Only 13.1%. We've become so well-adjusted and formatted to the patterns that the world has set for us. We, we, we just fit right in at times. I'll say this again just like I did last week. If we do not like the direction our life is taking, we must change the pattern of our minds. Change the pattern. Change the pattern. The patterns of our minds are represented by the behaviors we display. Did you hear me? The patterns of our mind are represented by the behaviors that we display. Do you act like a child of the king? Do you act like who you say you are? If you say you're a Christian and you love God and, and say you're a part of that 13.1% that believes the word of God, the whole word, and nothing but the truth of the word of God, do you act like it? Do your behaviors represent kingdom culture or the culture of the world? And this is where God began to speak to me, and he said the only way you can change the pattern of your mind is by becoming narrow-minded. Narrow-minded. I want to talk to you about being narrow-minded today. The term narrow-minded is often used in a negative manner. It's often used negatively, especially towards Christians. If you dare stand for Jesus and the full biblical truths of the world of God, you are seen as narrow-minded. Narrow-minded means not willing to accept ideas or ways of behaving that are different from your own. But what if narrow-minded and being narrow-minded wasn't a bad thing? What, what if it really wasn't a bad thing? I'm talking about when it comes to serving God and, and loving Him and following after His path. What, what if it really, I mean, because let's just be honest, there are many times the world as it's getting darker and the things that we stand for, we become more narrow-minded and seen as narrow-minded because we don't love everybody, because we don't follow everybody's truths and what they know. Well, you don't love me. No, I do love you. That's why I stand for what's the truth. I do. I love you so much that I will disagree for the fact of that God loved you so much that he'll disagree. But in the disagreement of his love for you, it means that he covers all things that can come across in your life that will keep you separated from him. But we have to become narrow-minded to follow him. If customs are patterns of behavior displayed by a particular culture, and we were not meant to follow the customs of the world we live in, then why do we accept the ideas or ways of behaving that do not agree with the customs of the Father? Why do we have to? Why? Why do we have to agree with everything going on? I think it goes back to that need to be loved. Sometimes it's hard to tell people in love the truth. 
Because sometimes, let's just be honest, it is scary to tell people things that are hard, even when you love them, that are the truth. But that's when you ask God to give you guidance by the Holy Spirit. You can ask your leaders in the church to help you, to give wisdom to you, and give you the appropriate things to help through things. God was a gentleman. He never made anybody do anything. And he wasn't there to condemn. He just was there to give out love, but speak the love in truth. But Jesus does tell us about being narrow-minded. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, if you have your Bibles, you can turn it there. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version today. And it says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate. Broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few who find it. Luke 13, chapter, uh, verses 24 through 28, say it this way. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Force aside unbelief and the attractions of sin. For many, I tell you, will try to enter by their own works and will not be able once the head of the house gets up and closes the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door again and again saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you are from, for you are not of my household. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets, but he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. In that place, there will be weeping and sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth and distress and anger when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves being thrown out and driven away. I want to go back real quick to Matthew chapter 7 and read verses 21 through 23 in the message, and it says it this way. Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing whatever my Father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment. Thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message and we bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important, but you don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. When you're narrow-minded, you are blessed, you are biased, and intolerant. You're intolerant towards anything that does not agree with the word of God and the life Jesus has called you from to live. I'm not telling you you don't love people, but what is the problem is we have become so tolerant of the sin that is around us to be like, well, it's okay. And well, maybe that'll work. And maybe you can know God. No, the truth is the truth is the truth. And it will set you free, period. As a Christian or Christ follower, we should live narrow-minded. Our lives should not be open to the behaviors and customs of this world, but be set upon the customs of the kingdom of God. Why is it so much easier for us to be closed-minded to God and more open-minded to the world? Why? Why? Why is it so easy to be open to the world and so closed-minded to God? Isn't it, shouldn't it be the other way around? Instead of being 
narrow-minded towards God, we should be narrow-minded for God. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Scripture says it's plainly. It's because the narrow road is difficult and the broad road is easy. Nobody honestly wants to do things the hard way. Anybody in this room like to do things the hard way? You can just say, hey, it's fun to do things the hard way. Hey, I like it. God, you know what? Let's do this the hard way. Instead of making it easy and being able to go, you know, do whatever I need to do for the day, why don't you give me like something that breaks down on top of that and it doesn't go together and then I stub my toe because it didn't work and then, you know, after I got it all together, it wasn't even arranged right, so then we have to flip everything. Let's just do it the hard way. Who likes to talk like that? Nobody. Nobody wants things the hard way. But what's funny is we choose to live life the hard way by not following what's less difficult by following him. Because in all honesty, even though it's easy to do whatever you want, you live a very hard life that way. And you're very unhappy that way. Unfulfilled, always wanting. But God, he wants to fill your life so you don't have to go around feeling always wanting, always needing something more than just knowing that he's enough. Narrow means small in width, affording little room, limited in range or scope, lacking breadth of, of view or sympathy. It's close. So I took what God showed me. That's just the actual definition for that. But he said this. He said, to travel the narrow path means that you have no room to just live freely any way you please. It's limited in range and scope, meaning that there are few that will be on the same path with you. And the only subject you need to be concerned with is Jesus Christ. That God will intently look at the motives of your heart along the way and insert himself into every detail of your life. It means that God is not overly concerned with how far ahead you can see or your desire to know every direction in the path that you are taking as much as he is concerned about your ability to stay on the path at all. But it also means that the more you travel along this path, the closer to him you'll get. The closer to him you'll get. Broad, the word broad means having simple, ample distance Side to side, ample distance, which means like you have lots and lots of room. It's covering a wide scope of subjects. General, there's no detail. To travel the broad path means that you can live and do whatever you want because there is no close proximity with you and God. All subjects are relevant and you can believe whatever you want. The only truth is the one you make. You can know Christ in a general manner here, but you don't have to know him in a detailed way. Here you can say you are a Christian without the accountability of living like one. You may try to follow God, but you are open to whatever makes you happy. The easier for you, the better. This road is filled with many who are wandering through life, unfulfilling their God-given purposes because of misguided truths. Second Timothy Chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, says it this way. 
For there is going to come a time when people won't listen to the truth, but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says, but will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. We're there. We're there. The world is there. But you need to ask yourself, are you there? Are you there? Are you open to anything that makes you happy? Anything that'll make it work? Anything that's that quick fix? Are you there? We've always promised, Brandon and I have, and if you're new here, I will tell you the truth again. I am a person. We are people. I am not something to be put on a pedestal, and I may say something that you don't like, and there might be a time that I may make you mad. There may be times that you love me, but I'm not here for you to love me or to like me. I'm here for you to learn about Jesus Christ and the truth of who he is, and that's the fact of it, and I'm still people, and I still deal with my own things, and I still have to question myself to say on the outside, am I still trying to listen to things, God, I shouldn't be, that help me take the easy way instead of what's hard when I just don't want to put in the work? And I just don't want to do it. Living the life of a wanderer leaves the mind open to defeat because you find yourself traveling on a path with no clear direction and having only hope in yourself. When you live a life of a wanderer and wander all the way around, no wonder your mind is always wandering and wondering if somebody loves you or if they don't love you or if this is going to work out or if that's not going to work out or if the details of my life. You are a wanderer right here. And what God is trying to say is just get on that narrow path. It's a little bit difficult, but if you can just keep your eyes on me, I'll direct you wherever you need to go. You don't have to have hope in yourself. You already failed. That's why I came. I have resigned myself to the fact that it is okay to be a failure. I totally have screwed up life many times, but I am more than victorious when I allow God to be the conqueror in my own soul and take over who I am so that I can live a life freely for him. If the world is the one thing I failed at, praise God. As long as I can follow and lead and go after Christ as much as I can, as much as I can. When your life is open-minded to whatever truth that you may find, you are left open to many irrelevant opinions and customs that will take you nowhere but farther from God. It's time for the live your truth mentality to be replaced with the mentality of God is truth. I'm sick of hearing, live your truth. No, God is the truth, the way, and the life. Again, God is the truth, the way, and the life, period. John 4, 16, if you don't believe me, just go right here with what the word of God says. Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's where it is. Truth, to tell truth and to live in the truth, truth itself, by nature, is inherently narrow. It's narrow. You ever had to tell the truth about something and you feel so pressed? Like, I gotta tell the truth. 
You ever been a kid knowing that you got to tell the truth, your parent asks you something like, did you smack your brother? No. Because <laughs> telling the truth is hard. Like, you know, as parents, sometimes as you've had kids down the road, you've got to squeeze the truth out of them sometime. But the fact is, is the truth is, it's just in a narrow place. It's, it's tough because truth is truth. It's not like if you want to, if you don't want to, well, I maybe I didn't slap him. I just, I just reached out and touched him. That's not truth. Truth is you slapped him. There's a whole bit of big difference between slap and touch. Aren't you all thankful I didn't pull up somebody to do like a, you know, let's just show you what happened, an illustrated sermon for that one. You know, slap and touch, what's the difference between that? Nobody wants to be slapped, nobody wants to be touched but the, like that, but the truth of it is is that you did what you did. That's the same thing with God. Just be, be honest and take responsibility for the sins and the things that are going on in your life and tell God that you just need him so that he can come in and do what he needs to do in it. Truth is tough. Truth is the precise assertion of a fact that can never be proven false. God is the only one that has been proven true for thousands of generations and is the only precise fact that you may ever know. To be narrow-minded for God is to stand on the full word of God, the full word of God without wavering. Why is it that the court system can get it right? Do you promise to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, and place your hand on the Bible so help you God because they know that it's the truth and we're struggling just to tell the truth of the word of God? It's because our minds aren't governed by him yet. If we're not careful, we can stray off the narrow path and become so open-minded and tolerant of the world that we lose our head altogether. In the body of Christ, he represents the head. And in the armor of God, the helmet represents salvation. I have to set my salvation aside to be tolerant for the world. If I lose my salvation in Christ, then I lose my head altogether. If, listen to me, if God says that he is the head of the body and we are the body, then the thing about it is, is we have to allow him to have his right place, rightful place as head of our body right here in our minds and have control. And when you begin to tolerate the things of the world, what happens is you take that helmet of salvation off and after a while you're walking around like headless chickens because you don't have the mind of Christ but your own. Narrow-minded people choose to seek the king before things. Narrow-minded people choose to seek the king before things. When you think narrow-mindedly for Christ, you realize that God is always and will always be the only option, the only road. There's no plan B. I didn't give my life to Christ to just choose a plan B later. I, I want to I live for him right here. Not plan B that, you know, if God, you don't do what I like, then I'm going to do this way. That doesn't work. Are you a person who lives a life spiritually by keeping all your options open? If so, I'm sorry, but you're one who lives on the broad road. If you live your life with all your options open and God is not your main focus, that he's not the option that you go after, you live on a broad road. 
When I choose the narrow road, Christ is the only subject I focus on, and his will for my life is all I desire. Jesus himself was narrow-minded. His teachings always had one direction. They took just one direction, and that was to lead others to a life by him, through him and for him. That's it, period. Every road and everything that he traveled led straight back to the Father. Every one of them, every word he spoke, everything he did led you straight on the same path back to the Father. His narrow path actually cut through the customs of this world and led people to true freedom. Narrow-minded people change the course and outcome of the move of God because they don't change their course for the world around them. Narrow-minded people change the course of culture. They don't change it for the world around them. Yet the world changes course to the God who's in them. The scripture says that only a few will find the road. And I want to ask you, are you a part of the few? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18 in the message says this. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us is the temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them, move into them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who will pollute you. I want you all for myself. I'll be a father to you. You'll be sons and daughters to me. The word of the master, God. Period. Light and darkness doesn't work together. I have never seen a dark room never be lit up when a light turns on. It overtakes it. It does. It always does. Mistrust and trust don't work together. Like he said, that's why there's war. It's not partnership. You don't work like that. But the problem of it is, is we're too busy making allies with the world instead of following the greatest ally who is God. Billy Graham was an example of a man who lived narrow-minded for Christ. He stuck to the truth of the word of God and did not back down. If you don't know of him, we have great Google that can tell you about everything anymore. But he was a man who was a phenomenal speaker. A phenomenal speaker. Can you come get him for me, please? Thank you. Uh, he's a phenomenal speaker for Jesus Christ. And the thing about it is this is that when Billy Graham was chosen, he gives a testimony about when he was chosen that God had asked somebody else to do Billy Graham's job and Billy Graham was actually God's second choice. He spoke to Billy Graham. Billy Graham talks about it, you can look it up. But the thing about it was, is Billy Graham was not afraid to follow the narrow path. Powerful, led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord, filled arenas and what I love about Billy Graham is he was not show. He was just good old-fashioned, going to tell you the truth of God. 
And I found something the other night, and I was reading, and I was studying, and after I had wrote everything that I just spoke to you, this popped up in one of my searches about just narrow and the words and just looking it up. And it's an excerpt from an article that he wrote in October, on October 3rd of 2012. And what's so crazy is I begin to just weep when I read this because it confirms everything that was just said in the fact of how living narrow-minded and the importance of it. So I want to read you just an excerpt from that. And the article was titled, The Sin of Tolerance by Billy Graham. He said this, he said, at home and abroad, the American people plead for broad-mindedness, tolerance, and charity. Abroad, our ambassadors use all of their power to influence warring parties to come to the conference table in a spirit of give and take. There is a sense which the world needs broad-mindedness and, to and tolerance. However, in the realm of Christian experience, there is a need for intolerance. In some things, Christ was the most tolerant, broad-minded man who ever lived, but in other things, he was one of the most intolerant. Tolerance can become too stretched. One of the pet words of this age is tolerance. It is a good word, but we have tried to stretch it over too great an area. We have applied it too often where it does not belong. The word tolerant means liberal and broad-minded. In one sense, it implies the compromise of one's conviction, a yielding of ground upon important issues. That is not setting boundary lines right there. The science, the science says, however, they're narrow-minded. There is no room for careless broad-mindedness in the laboratory. Water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level. It is never 100 degrees, nor 189 degrees, nor 211 degrees. Fresh water freezes at 32 degrees. It's never 23 degrees, nor 31 degrees. Mathematics is also narrow-minded. The sum of two plus two is four, never three and a half. Geometry is very narrow-minded. It says that a straight line is the shortest distance between two points on a plane. A compass is narrow-minded. It always points to the magnetic north. If it were broad-minded, ships at sea and planes in the air would be in danger. If you would ask a man the directions to New York City and he said, oh, just take any road you wish and that'll lead you to New York, you would question both his sanity and his truthfulness. Nevertheless, we have somehow gotten in our minds that all roads lead to Christ. But Jesus Christ, who journeyed from heaven to the earth and back to heaven again, who knew the way better than anyone who ever lived, said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate that's difficult and is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it Jesus warns and was narrow about the way of salvation Jesus plainly pointed out that there are two roads in life one is broad lacking in faith convictions and morals it's easy popular and the careless way Jesus said there are many who go in by it but he pointed out that the road heavily traveled through it is that the road heavily traveled through is leads to destruction. And in loving, compassionate intolerance, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, 
Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. His was the intolerance of a pilot who maneuvers this plane through the storm, realizing that a single error, just one flash of broad-mindedness might bring disasters to all passengers. Once when we were flying to Korea, he's still saying this, he said, once when we were flying to Korea, from Korea to Japan, we ran through a rough snowstorm. When we arrived over the airport in Tokyo, the ceiling of invisibility were almost zero. The pilot had to make an instrument landing. Do you know what that means? That means he had to use what he knew in order to land because the tower could not tell him how to get through. He could not see what they were saying. I sat up in the cockpit and watched him sweat it out as a man in the tower at the airport just talked us in. He couldn't, it didn't matter. They couldn't tell him. He just had to trust and believe and listen and go off what he knew. He said, I did not want this man to be broad-minded. I wanted him to be narrow-minded. I knew that our lives depended on it. Just so when we come in for the landing in the great airport in heaven, I don't want broad-mindedness. I want to come in on the beam. And even though I may be considered narrow here, I want to be sure of a safe landing there. Christ was so intolerant of our lost estate that he left his lost, lofty throne in the heavenlies, took on himself the form of man, suffered at the hands of evil men and died on a cruel cross of shame to purchase our redemption. So serious was our plight that he could not look upon it lightly. He could not be broad-minded about a world held captive by its lusts. Christ spoke of two roads, two kingdoms, two masters, two rewards, and two eternities. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have the power to choose whom we will serve, but the alternative to choosing Christ brings certain destruction. The broad, easy, popular way leads to death and destruction. Only the way of the cross leads home. Peter was reflecting Christ's teaching when he said, Nor is the salvation in any other, for there is no other name than Jesus Christ under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. The popular tolerant attitude towards the gospel of Christ is like a person going to watch the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves play a baseball game and rooting for both sides. Baseball fans are very intolerant. If you were to cheer for both sides in the Los Angeles or in Atlanta, someone would yell, hey, you, make up your mind who you're rooting for. And isn't that what Christ said? You cannot serve God and mammon no one can serve two masters. We need more people who will step out and say unashamedly, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Stand with me today. I read that. And I thought about it. And see, there's different options of, you know, becoming narrow-minded is one of them. The first thing is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and setting your heart and your life in the right direction. But the other part of it is it talks about saying, are you tolerant to the things of this world? Do you live so open-minded 
that you have no room for Christ because everything else in this world takes up his place. It's easy to live that way. It's easy. Any of you ever driven old country roads? You know, most of the time on old country roads, one car can go. You can't normally pass. It's pretty difficult. It's easy to get on I-70 or the bigger highways as you're passing and pass people who are going different and slower than you. It's easier. You notice that. That's just real life application. But in this world, God wants us to get onto that road which was paved out by the cross of Jesus Christ so that we could follow him in true clarity. And even when we cannot see, we trust his voice to get us through. He said, I'm the true shepherd and the sheep, my sheep know my voice. They know my voice. What are the things in your life today that are causing you to cross your boundaries and wander onto the broad path? What are things in your life that allow you to keep teetering back and forth? I would hate to know that I live my life completely on the broad, lap, broad path all the time, not knowing Christ as who he truly is. And yes, the narrow path is tough, but the more and more I travel on it, the closer I get to him, I feel him, and I know him. That's, that, that's the goal. That's the goal. To know him, live for him. What keeps you going back? to be a wanderer instead of a full-time follower. There's no such thing as a full-time, part-time Christian. You can't say, I work full-time, but I only work part-time. Makes no sense. What is it? You either work full-time at your job or you work part-time. I work both. What? Oh. I heard a statement one time that was said something like this. If you give part-time work, you get part-time results. If you give part-time work, you get part-time results. Well, if you follow God part-time, then you can expect part-time results in the outcomes of your life. You live, you want to live for God part-time when you feel like it. Your life is going to have part-time results in it. You're always going to be filled, left, uh, feel left wanting. Like you still need something so bad. And I'm not talking about the desire for Christ and wanting him. I believe that passion grows the more you go on that narrow path and wanting him. I'm talking about that hole that's in your heart that you feel you can never fill. You can't ever get it full. You're never happy. There's no joy. There's no joy. And God wanted to come today. He wants to fill you with joy. Yes, the narrow path is difficult. He says that it is tough following God when you have to make decisions that are not comparable and look like the world. Especially in this day and age, I my heart aches and that's why we put so much emphasis on our children and our youth ministries because I would have hated to grow up in the world they grow up today in that age. It was tough when I was a kid, let alone now, when there's so many options of who you should be and how you should be and agree with this and don't agree with that. No. Where God is seen as so many other things than just Jesus Christ who loves you, who wants to come into your heart, the one that you should serve. 
narrow-minded people choose to follow God all the time, not part-time. And when you make a mistake, you get up. You don't just turn around and go the other way and think, oh, well, I messed up. I'm just going to go this way now. No, you dust your feet off. You ask him to give you a freshness in your life and a renewed vision, and you move forward. You move forward. You don't follow God when it's convenient for you. You follow him no matter how hard it gets. I want you to change the pattern of your mind. He wants you to change the pattern of your mind. So I'm going to ask with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, because I cannot do this without going any further. If you are a person in this room that you know that you need Jesus Christ, and that's the first place you need to start is by setting your direction straight and allowing him to be savior of your life, that you know that you need Christ in your life, that you have not been following him or you've never really known him, and you want to ask Jesus Christ into your heart, I ask that you raise your hand in this room today. Raise your hand in this room today if you know it. Keep them up for just a moment. Just a minute. If you know in your heart, if you know in your heart, we have our greeters and our hosts that are going to come to you. Just keep your hand raised, please, please, for just a moment. If you did and say that you wanted to receive Jesus Christ. They're going to be coming to you and handing you a book in just a second. Keep your hands raised because we're going to pray with you. And after we pray with you, they're going to come give you that book. Uh, it's just some direction about getting in his word. How do we go from here? What, what do we do next? And so we're going to pray with you. And I'm going to ask that all of us would repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I have walked the broad path for most of my life. But today, Jesus, I ask that you would come and set my direction. God, I ask that you would be Lord of my life, my heart, my mind, my body, my soul, that you would be Lord of it all. I declare that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I accept you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody better give some praise to God because it says when one gives their heart to the Lord, praise goes up in the heavenlies that they celebrate. Amen. My next question that I want to ask is while those who have received God and are looking for they've asked God in their hearts and I just congratulate you and I'm excited that you've asked that and this is where your journey starts today right now it starts guess what's really awesome is you don't have to worry about the detour you took to get you here you just got here now you can get to your destination doesn't matter don't worry about that you just got here and we're thankful for that and God's thankful for that but my next question to you is how many of you know that there are things in your life that you have probably kept allowing open-mindedness to that are keeping you from walking the narrow path. I'm going to be honest. 
I know there are things sometimes that I probably allowed myself to hear, speak, think, watch, that really I shouldn't have a tolerance for. But I've allowed it because it's so easy, because this world, it's so easy because it's already there. The influence are so easy in this world. I want to ask you today, how many of you in this room desire with your whole heart to say, God, place my feet upon that narrow path? If that's you, raise your hands. I want to be narrow-minded for you. I want to be narrow-minded for you, Jesus. Just keep your hands up for a second. I want to be narrow-minded for you, God. I want to follow after you, God, in everything that you do. And even when I can't see, no matter how hard it gets, God, when the world doesn't agree, God, when my family doesn't agree, God, I choose to follow you. I choose to follow you, Jesus. I pray, God, over every person in this room today. I pray over their minds, God, that as they set their feet on this direction, God, that, God, they would consistently be wooed by the Holy Spirit to follow you in every path. God, I pray, God, if they know a change that they need to make, that they would be instantaneously. And, God, that you would begin to direct them to follow fully after you. God, forgive us a part-time Christian living. They want to live full-time for you, Jesus. We choose to follow you today. I pray, God, that there would be such an apt desire to go after you, God, and that the holes in the lives of ones that are in here that have never felt filled with your love would begin to be poured into, God. I pray, God, you would overflow to the top, begin to brim it over, God, that there would be joy in their lives again, that there would be peace in their lives again, that there would be hope in their lives again, God. I don't want to be tolerant of the world. I don't want to tolerate those things. God, I want to stand in the truth of you. I pray that would be their desire, that they would stand on your truth no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. The worship team is going to come, and we're going to just spend a few minutes. And if you feel like there's something that God is really just doing in your heart right now that he wants to just continue to separate in your life i encourage you to stay if you want to come to the altars you're welcome we do have ones that can help pray with you as part of the uh, host team to ask that that they would just speak over you as well and to know that you've got a family here that's going to do their best to follow on the narrow path with you just keep your head forward to god so as we get into worship, I'm just going to encourage you to do so. If you are, a, we're not, nobody is made to do that. We're, as we get into it, if you know that you're ready to leave, we say, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. There's a table in the back that has uh, sign-up sheets for all the things that are going on. Uh, we encourage you to do that. But you know what? The most important thing I'm going to leave you with is Jesus Christ, because that's the biggest focus. Amen. So they're going to lead you in it. We love you. Have a fantastic Sunday. A great day. Let's just worship the king.